0: Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Shelly, how are you doing? I love your outfit today, by the way.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. This is a good color on me, I guess. I should order more
0: you should order more. I'm sitting in a lanai here in Florida and the lighting's not really good so you can't see me that well but I'm as handsome as ever show.
1: You look tanned, you look relaxed, big smile on your face. So for those of us in the audience that don't know what a lanai is and what the hell are you doing in Florida?
0: <laughs> what's going on? It's sure. like a screened in porch cuz inside I have three little girls that are taking their bats right now and they're very loud so this works out perfectly. So I've been in Florida since Saturday, and Shelly, it's been crazy. I'll tell you what the last three days have looked like for me. So first day, we went to Peppa Pig Land, somewhere in the middle of Florida. The girls love Peppa Pig, so I don't know (laughs) if you've ever heard of it. It's a cute show. Then we went to a water park. Then the second day, we went to Legoland, a full-day Legoland. And then yesterday, we surprised the girls. And we did Disney World. So we did the Magic Kingdom. We went for 9 a.m. and left at 10.30 last night. There's a new ride called Tron, and the lineup is massive, and you can get, like, on a virtual queue. So Diana, my wife, and Mallory only went, like, at 10.15. The park actually closes at ten. But I guess it was amazing. I waited with the girls while they were passed out in their little stroller. So I was gonna
1: ask, did you take strollers or did the girls walk for twelve hours?
0: No, we got what they call umbrella strollers, so we could carry them around a lot easier. Because the alternative would have been me carrying them or being on my shoulders for fourteen <sighs> hours. So it This in was way better. Weather. Exactly, oh, no. and and just packed with people. Shelly, you'd be blown away. They said, it's not as busy at Disney during November. I don't know who said that because it reminded me of how many people are actually living on this planet because it seemed like they were all at Disney. But it was magical, I'll tell you this. We met Cinderella, we met Ooh. Rapunzel, which was a big hit tiana then a couple other princess we did all the major rides even though the lineups were fairly big they were around 45 minutes to an hour and we were too late to buy like the fast pass which i would have bought Mm. in a heartbeat instead of waiting but i guess if you don't buy them in the morning they run out at one particular point so
1: So how much is a fast pass just curious for because
0: all five of you would do rides or can you transfer it between us? You pretty much need it for everyone. So it's $30 of oh, okay. Fast Pass for each person. So it'd be like $150, which uh, I told you before to show how much we paid for one day Disney. I will pay that extra just to not wait and line up like I did. But I'll tell you, the girls were fantastic. They entertained themselves in the lineups. They didn't complain. There was no whining, no meltdown. I can't wow. complain. It was a pretty impressive day. Now I'm in Florida for another four or five days, enjoying the sun, going to the pool, getting this uh, tan on. Actually, I'm probably just going to be chasing kids around because you might <laughs> remember this, Shelly. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really a vacation when you have mm-hmm. young kids, right? It's a vacation for them, but you're basically, it's the experience that you're going through. And I'm sure you remember that.
1: It's a lot of work for parents. Like, there's no relaxing, honestly. (laughs) You're probably getting in 10 times the steps that you would at home,
0: right? Oh, yes. I will need a vacation from this vacation, but I'm not complaining.
1: Speaking of traveling, you remember when we were in Nashville, and I think we even talked about this on the show, we had this lovely Uber driver And of course, we couldn't help ourselves, you know, how long you've been driving Uber. And he tells us that he just got laid off from his job in cybersecurity. And both he and his wife came to the U.S. and were both working in cybersecurity. And he'd been looking for work for a couple of months. And we were like, what?
0: So just
1: an online article about the cybersecurity workforce shortage reaches $4 despite their huge recruitment drive. And I'm thinking, what? Like, how could that be when we met an Uber driver who who couldn't find work or an offer? like, I, I'm starting to wonder how so hard broken.
0: this guy was looking for a job because he was a great personality. I don't know how great his skills were in cybersecurity because we were shocked then and we see these articles and I've yeah. heard it in other sources as well. Cybersecurity is one of the most sought out after high demand, yeah. demand role out there. So uh, maybe he was full of shit. Maybe he was just loving being an I Uber swear. driver. And that's the story he's <laughs> telling his wife. Like, I can't get a job. I got to keep doing Uber. Maybe. Uh, Do you think?
1: I don't know. <laughs> I tend to think that recruitment's broken.
0: That could be the case. That very much could be the case. How about we jump into <laughs> the news? Yes. Yeah. Let's go. So Shelley, have you ever been to a WeWork location?
1: I have. I have. There was one in Calgary, and I had a friend who was using the space there. And so it was right downtown. I'm just trying to remember the building it was in, but it was really impressive.
0: It's beautiful. You never saw the movie, right? No. I know what it's called. It's based on the book Billion Dollar Loser, which is a fantastic book. I think it was on Apple TV here in Canada and That's the why US I on Hulu. Seen it. Oh, fantastic story. (laughs) This week, it came out that WeWork is very close to filing for bankruptcy. Maybe five years ago, this company was worth $50 billion or valued, sorry, at $50 billion. And now it's filing for bankruptcy. And obviously, when he started, he was all over the place, right? He was trying to build a massive empire and basically built this business just off a cult of character. He was a presence that was able to get money in ways that no one could. But you take him, he's been gone for a while now, obviously, as it started collapsing years ago. And then you look at the challenges right now in the commercial real estate in major cities in the US, New York, San Francisco, vacancy rates of 30, 40%. There's definitely Mm -hmm. massive challenges when it comes to real estate. Not surprised that WeWork will be filing bankruptcy. And this might be great for it because I think it's time to restructure this company and figure out because... The WeWork locations were really nice. And if you compare it to what we've seen in the past, I don't know if you've ever been to a Regis location. I forget what it's called now. Uh, but the old, yeah, Those were just so ugly and, and just sad. It's like, <laughs> sad, right? And and these, sad. Every WeWork location I went to was really nice. So we'll see what happens with that. Shelly, let's jump yes. into the next Because I I do want to bring this up, and I was trying to remember the conversation that we had. I think this was like probably six months ago when we talked about the software engineer title here in Alberta. So APEGA is our provincial regulator for professional engineers, and they weren't allowing... Any company to advertise the title software engineer. A couple of things they said, and I'm like, oh, they're so fucking delusional. It's such an engineer thing to be. Um, so let me just actually share what the current restrictions. The existing rules in Alberta prohibit individuals without a professional engineering license from using the term engineer in conjunction with any other name or titles. Tech companies have been arguing that this restriction hinders the growth of the technology industry in the province because software engineer is being used everywhere. And you can't advertise a job as software engineer, especially in a global marketplace. It does cause some challenge. APEGA expressed concerns that exception to the use of the title engineer may set a dangerous precedent in post-risk to the safety of birds. So they lost. There's a new legislation that's being put in place that if it becomes law, companies in Alberta will be able to advertise software engineer positions, and employees could publicly use the title. It's about time. I'm so glad that this is going through because we have a really, I like to say booming tech industry here in Alberta, but we're definitely one of the fastest tech industries in Canada, at least. Anything that can slow it down just by, in my opinion, a sheer arrogance of, of PEGA saying, no, no, you're not an engineer in the way that we think engineers should be. What was your thoughts here, Shelley? Do you want to admit defeat? Because I think our last conversation, you were like, yeah, this is not going to happen.
1: So I'm not admit defeat. What I said, actually, if you look up the episode that we talked about, what I said was that a PEGA has a lot of power and they always have. And their argument that that you had to be a registered engineer for public safety reasons, so we wouldn't have people who were not engineers signing off drawings on bridges or buildings that would fall over do you know what I loved about this? Uh, I saw a commentary on this announcement that basically they lost and software engineer can be used. And the response from the technology industry was, we've got a lot of rug doctors out there and nobody in the public (laughs) is in danger of accidentally ordering the rug doctor when they needed cardiac surgery. Their argument was ridiculous, that it was a public safety issue. So I think that really summed it all up for me.
0: That is such a good point. I never thought of that because we see doctor everything and the yeah. red doctor is popular here in Alberta. Yeah. Dr. Electric.
1: Idea. Oops, <laughs> I, I meant to be calling my cardiologist. And I ended up with an electrician. I don't think there's public safety danger. No, so that, yes, I that think was it'll be okay. In other Canadian news, Ontario has passed a, a law that is going to require employers to disclose salary ranges. And they went one step further in following suit with what New York State has done with requiring companies to disclose when they're using artificial intelligence in the hiring process. So we know that PEI was the first province to put this actually into law. And the other Atlantic provinces have followed suit. BC also passed a law in May of 2023, saying, listen, that's a little archaic. You can't discipline an employee for simply asking what are other people being paid or for discussing what you get paid with other employees. But this move in Ontario, we knew this was coming for quite some time. Actually, in 2019, the Ontario government made it a requirement for anybody doing business, like any uh, provincial contractors, they had to be able to prove that they had salary transparency in their job ads. It's just widening what is required. Bravo for Ontario for moving this through. We typically follow suit with what happens in Ontario. So I wouldn't be too shocked to see this come to Alberta. Alberta. We know there was something tabled in the summer of 22 that would require employers to be transparent, but I don't believe it went anywhere.
0: Well, I agree with you. The minute that Ontario goes, it is such a big part of our population base. How many businesses actually operate in Ontario? There's a couple of key things that I found in there. 37% of online job postings in Ontario include salary information. One of the things that they're starting is with salaries that are under $100,000, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. which is an interesting take, right? Because I think those are the ones that are the most vulnerable to be taken advantage of when it comes to salaries. So I guess we'll see. But we still have a challenge, Shelley. And I know this is a big issue in Prince Edward Island. It's legislation, but no one's monitoring it. No one's following it. Like right now, if you go in Indeed Indeed or Career Beacon in PEI, there's more than 50% of the jobs that don't have salary information on it. Ontario obviously has way more firepower and the ability to police it. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. On top of that, I don't know if you saw this, but there's a new regulation in Ontario as well that companies can no longer require Canadian work experience. This will be affected December 1st. A parable ban in job posting and application forms aim to eliminate a significant employment barrier for newcomers. What's your thoughts here?
1: Oh, round of applause. Oh my gosh. One of the biggest problems that we have in Canada is that we are discriminating against individuals who may have experience, foreign experience. I know we've talked about this before in that there's some roles in some industries, some job families, where understanding Canadian law, HR being one of them, where your HR experience may not port directly. And so to expect that you'll be hired at the same level is not realistic, but to completely discard somebody's experience in HR and say you have no experience just isn't right. I've always felt that way.
0: Yeah, but mm-hmm. Shelly, let's be realistic. There is a reason why a lot of employers do want Canadian experience, and this legislation is not going to change that. If someone has been working in a different country in a completely different context coming to Canada, everyone is trying to hire, but there's been challenges when it comes to having no background in how Canada works it's like anyone moving to any other country without having a deep understanding of what the actual ways of work the cultural difference and to say that there is not we're fooling ourselves so how do we help these people to be able to come Canada and work right away be licensed and the ability to be as effective as someone that has Canadian work experience i don't think this is going to change anything because i haven't seen a lot of job postings saying requiring true Canadian experience, but there's Mm -hmm. definitely a bias when it comes to hiring managers. I Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to go away in any way. So we will see. I think this is something for us to keep a close eye on.
1: I think that ties nicely into our tip of the week hiring for fit. Do you know, it's interesting as soon as I hear that alarm bells start going off for me because what does fit mean? Usually it means you don't have an accent when you speak And there are other inferences by fit. Usually it means that the company is looking for someone just like me, or the hiring manager is looking for someone that matches everybody else. So my tip of the week is when we as talent acquisition professionals hear that, we really should challenge the thinking of our hiring leaders. To define for us, what do you mean by fit? And I know when I have, I usually hear that they have a degree from this particular school or certificate, what have you, but nothing really founded in the individual's ability to do the work. I think it's just been used as this blanket statement that I'm the hiring manager and I get to decide and I'm going to hire for fit. So I challenge us as TA professionals to question our leaders when we hear that term.
0: A really good tip of the week. I think one of the things that we need to figure out as well, and there are some companies that do it really well when it comes to fit, because being a reason why people don't want to work there is as important as a reason people want to work there. If I'm a company and the expectation or how we work is, I'll use Elon Musk again as the perfect example. There is a very clear picture of what it is to work under any elon musk team right so if you're going there and you're expecting that you're going to work nine to five not putting in the additional hours just slave away at trying to fix a problem sometimes for three to four days you're not going to be a fit there it's just not going to work out we can agree or disagree if that's right or wrong but it is what it is So I think it's very clear for organizations to clearly define what it means working at that organization and employees can make that decision on their own. But I agree for many years, fit has just been a way to say, I want to hire people exactly like me. And Mm -hmm. sometimes for small business, I'm like, yeah, maybe I get it. Like it's your choice. It's your business. You can decide to hire how or what way you want but as you're going into bigger organizations it's a recipe for disaster
1: it is for discrimination quite honestly yes
0: are we ready for some recruiting insight
1: yes yes how many hr pros do you think Serge disclose employee information to their family and friends couple of drinks uh friday how many what well, I- would be your guess
0: Well, I read the article, so I know the answer, and I'm surprised that it's so low, especially with small business. The article says 45%. My guess would have been 70%.
1: Well, I mean, simple things like how you handle employee files, where are Mm. they kept, or even talking about personal information. Did you hear so-and-so is going in for surgery? One of the things I know, having worked in an HR department, they loved the T. You know, did you hear? Have you heard? And it was unbelievable. So I agreed. Like I was surprised it was only forty-five percent.
0: <laughs> Would you say in large organizations is probably lower compared no, to? No, it's
1: worse. It's it worse? worse. Oh, why do you God, think it's yeah. worse? I think it's worse. I think that's part of the fascination of working in HR because you get to know everything. And they talk amongst themselves. What is unfortunate is discussing employee information with family.
0: I agree with you. I think there's somewhat of a power dynamic when you are in HR, you feel you have this information. And let me just point out some of the key stats here. 45% of HR professionals say they or a colleague shared personal employee information with family or friends. 47% say a colleague has been sent an employee's personal information via cell phone and did not delete it from the device. 53% of HR pros or their colleagues have accessed employee information from a personal computer. 67% of employees have email or texted documents containing personal information during onboarding. And I think this is exactly the tie-in to talent acquisition. We get a lot of information up front, especially after okay. we hire. What are we doing with that information? And it goes to the point of email. As we're dealing with hiring managers and sharing this information with the hiring manager, instead of using the system of record that you should be using. This is the perfect example because I can tell you, if it blows up, it's not going to be good for you. If it leaks, if it gets in the wrong hands, and think about yourself, would you want that information to be shared? It's quite scary, actually. Not surprising that we are that cavalier with employees' information.
1: Cavalier, yes. Certainly talking to friends and family. The fact is that if you're in a big company and you're using like a workday or success factors, getting managers to log in and use the system is the challenge. Yeah, And they're like, just send me the resume. And so you end up emailing it. Right? That's exactly what happens. Because hiring managers get so frustrated with having to log in and do everything within the system that they build systems around it. This is what happens, I think, when technology is selected without consulting your stakeholders.
0: Well, the difference is a lot of hiring managers would not know the difference, right? In all fairness, anyone picking, say, Workday, UKG, or, say, Taleo or Oracle's Recruiting Cloud, it's probably not being chosen by talent acquisition, or even HR It's probably being chosen by IT. But that should be the number one question. Are hiring managers going to be using it? And the majority Did don't. We ask them? Which Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did we
1: even bother to ask them? As they're being expected to use it on a deli, but we never asked them what they wanted.
0: That's yeah. a good point. That's a really good point. They probably, probably asked the, the VP and they're like, Yeah, we'll use it. Yeah, it's great. But never down to people that actually are using the system.
1: So our next recruiting insight. Now's the time of year we start looking into 2024. That seems like all I'm talking about lately is what are your plans for 24? And there are three trends, according to this article, that are impacting recruitment. We've certainly heard enough about AI in the recruiting process. However, there is some AI, not generative AI, making decisions for us or anything. But there are some tools like virtual assistants and scheduling tools that I think will have a positive impact in recruitment, taking those things that are time consuming and repetitive and automating them. There's also a lot of companies that are starting to educate themselves. Certainly, we saw a lot of that happening at HR tech. If you weren't there to buy something, then you were there to learn something. And I believe, according to this article, and it resonates, it sounds true enough, that there will be more organizations are going to be saying no to generative AI. Because there is still so much being developed, like it's not that well known exactly what it's doing. And with the laws in New York, having accountability, using AI responsibly. So I think companies are starting to pump the brakes especially if they're in market right now for buying any sort of new HR technology, and it is extending the buying cycle. So that's a trend we'll probably see in 2024. Certainly none of our friends that are in the HR tech space want to hear this, but it is going to extend the buying cycle of new technology. And the vendor landscape needs to understand that, HR leaders who are going to market are going to be under more scrutiny because no one wants to lose their job for buying a tool that ends up being biased.
0: Hot take, Shelley. Here's my hot take.
1: Okay. What's your hot take?
0: (laughs) There is no one more biased than a human being. And I think we are way overthinking of how AI is biased because we're still very early in the game. And I think the concern with AI is when it comes to assessing candidates based on the job description is where the challenge has been, right? No one's going to be complaining about leveraging AI to schedule interviews, yes. create job descriptions, mm-hmm. all of this stuff. If anyone is putting the brakes on that, I think you're a little bit crazy. Because of the laws that you just mentioned, and we talked about Ontario earlier on, there's a little bit of hesitation, mm-hmm. but... I think we're idiots because I can't see any machine that is more biased than a human unless we took the most biased human and trained all of the AI when it comes to matching. But I do agree. I think right now we're in a standstill because we were all so excited about generative Mm -hmm. AI when it came out in November last year. It really gave a new attention to like different tools across the board. Shelly's just too good not to use. Like even after interviewing, like say Paradox and Eightfold and how they're leveraging AI and their tools. We just released the interview with Remote Bridge and how they're leveraging AI. And we're leveraging AI right now because I have kids screaming in the background and you can't hear anything because AI <laughs> is being used in this software to block out noise that is not directly in the mic yeah ai is not going anywhere but it's going to be a little bit of hesitation trying to figure out okay what does this mean like what's at risk you are probably right in the short term but when we're talking a year from now Shelley, i think every tool that's out there in the hr tech space will have some ai element and we saw it at hr tech well i hope so <laughs> yeah. God. I, I want to yeah. jump into the last recruiting insight. And I guess this has been a conversation for, oh, ever since these open to work banners have come out, but it, it created a little bit more attention in last week because there is an ex Google recruiter that came out and basically said that if you have an open to work banner. It means you're desperate and no one's going to hire you. The name of this Google recruiter is Nolan Church. He is now the CEO of a Talent Workplace Continuum. I'll be honest, I didn't research Continuum that much. I wasn't that <laughs> interested, but I'm assuming there's a take here, right? There's a reason why he's saying this. My first glance at it, Shelley, I loved the Open to Work banner when I was a recruiter and I needed to hire people quickly because I could do a search on LinkedIn directly and get a list hey, I need someone to start next week on this project, it was extremely helpful to do that search. But his argument, and I'll quote him directly, you want to feel like that person really wants to work at your company versus any company, and that sign makes it look like the opposite. What a tech bro dude thing to say, right? Unless you are Apple or like the fan companies, no one gives a fuck about your company. No one cares, Shelly. They want to go work there because they want to make money and make a living. To think that I am going to be so invested in your company that I only want to work for your company and that's why you should hire me is a little bit delusional. He does say one thing that I thought was interesting and it's not wrong. The open to work banner is kind of like, I'm going to go in dating again. If you're out there to everyone being like, hey, I'm single, date me. It's actually not going to attract as much as someone that is just a little like casual about it. Right. So it's not a bad point. But I think he lost all credibility when he says to that earlier point of they should only want to work for my company. So when I see that banner, it just seems they're desperate. Shelly, I'm very curious to see what your take on this is.
1: Same as you. As soon as I read it, I went, said the former recruiter from Google. Are you really a recruiter if you work at Google? Seriously. You know what? People are coming out of the ward work they've got a strong employer brand. There's a lot of prestige to say you work for Google. So it didn't surprise me that's what he thinks. And the very fact that he's associated his value as a recruiter with the Google name. So in the real world, I think this guy's completely out of touch with reality. Because in the real world, to be honest and say you're open for work. And he's spinning it around to say you have to have this dance where you're elusive and I need you to fight for me because I've got other interviews. Like that whole bullshit. It just makes me cringe. Because if you're not honest in the interviewing process, are you going to be honest as an employee? Like why would you have to puff yourself up. Again, like last week when we talked about lying on your resume, it's probably the same people, you know, that are saying, "Oh yeah, you know what? I'm interviewing five other places and I've got two other offers, so let me see yours." That's a pretty good indication of what that person's going to be like to work with. Like they're a player. So, hey, if you only want to recruit players, then play the game, cuz it is a game. Like finding a job is probably the most difficult experience that we have in our adult lives. The stress of not being able to find a job or being interviewed and not getting an offer and you've got bills to pay and you've got mouths to feed. Like, it's just so ego and so tone deaf. I just completely discredit him.
0: You brought up a couple of really good points. If you are a recruiter at Google, are you really recruiting? No. It's such a good point because it's probably the easiest job in the world when literally every email, every reach out, you get a response uh-huh. and everyone's interested in working for you. I wonder if his perspective would be different if you worked for Jim's Plumbing. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that would be a completely different approach and he would find it a whole lot more challenging. And he would be open to looking at those open to work banners. Actually, that would be his first source of recruiting would be there. Shelly, the other point that you had there, and I think it's a really good one, we're lying to ourselves. Like the whole job search recruiting is (laughs) like, will we ever get to a point? I don't think so where we'll just be honest. We'll have actual real conversations about things that are Mm -hmm. true instead of playing the charade. But on that note, Shelly, yes, don't hate the player, hate the game. (laughs) Have a good week, (laughs) Shelly.
1: Thank you, Serge. See you soon. Au revoir. Do you love news about LinkedIn, indeed Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. Yeah.